The Many Things Podcast. Welcome to the show. All right, Fraze. What's on, Harry, mate? Today, we're going to be talking about the Fury Francis Ngani boxing match. Then, we're going to talk a little bit about the great British railway system that sometimes isn't actually that great. Now, this boxing match held in Saudi Arabia was put on by the Saudis and their Skills Challenge Boxing Corporation, which is funded by the Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund. So, a little bit of context. This Sovereign Wealth Fund is sort of like a government investment arm, get a lot of their money from uh, the oil taxes, and it's worth 776 billion US dollars, and over the last few years, they've been spending big on sports. Now, just this summer alone, the Saudis have spent $950 million on their football league, a billion on golf in recent years, but who cares about golf? But more importantly, they started investing in heavyweight boxing, which is why they put up the money for the Francis Ngannou-Tyson Fury fight. Now, Fury won the split decision, but a lot of people, myself and... Yeah, me as well, to be fair. Phrase included, think that Ngannou actually won that fight. But do you not think there's got to be something in it about how much the fighter gets hurt? Francis came out of that fight without a scratch on him. He literally... Fresh as a daisy, whereas Fury had a huge black eye. Fury got messed up, but he did. There's no, there's no, even if you watch, um, I don't know if people know who this is, a Shane, Shane Fury, um, interview, he said, look, it wasn't his best performance. And like, he, his, his family, even though they, they were kind of telling it, saying that, look, they, um, they, uh, he, he, his brother lost that five in the nicest way possible. So I think everyone knew that, look, something bad went round. And Fury definitely got um, beat. Yeah, so many people. I don't, I don't know many people who believe Fury won that fight. In fact, I haven't heard anyone public, like Xbox or someone, saying publicly that Fury won that fight, to be honest. No, yeah. Did you hear about the pay-per-view numbers it did, though? Apparently, it did 400,000, uh, I think, UK. But in the US, it only did 57,000, apparently. Yeah, I heard... Well, I heard 80,000. Uh, 70,000. Yeah, somewhere around that. But the interesting thing is, is the highlights for the fight now on TNT Sport had 11 million views. So everyone thought, oh, that's obviously so one-sided. Everyone knows what's going to happen. Woke up the next day, holy shit. Francis, everyone said Francis has won. Everyone jumped on them highlight reels. Yeah, no, I think everyone made it up. To be honest, it was a good watch. I, I did enjoy, I actually, I'm glad I watched it. And uh, it was definitely an enjoyable fight. I just, I just think, I don't know what was going on with Tyson. I don't know if he didn't train, like you say, as hard as he should have for Nagani. But Nagani did definitely shock the world, for sure. He's on the he's on the map now, isn't he, Nagani? Yeah, I think the WBA. Uh, Michael Benson tweeted today the WBA that he's going to be added. He might be added into the top ten heavyweights, uh, Nagani. Quite rightly so. When you think yeah, he's just basically he's beaten the number one in the world, so he should be added into the rankings with one fight. I know, but still. Yeah. No, he's definitely. Well, he, like you say, he's beaten the number one in the world. But, well, what does this mean for Fury Usyk, do you think? 
When do you think that's happening? Well, there's talks of it being in February, isn't there? But Fury was saying to Usyk before this fight, was threatening him saying, you know, it's got to be on December the 23rd. If it's not, I'm taking legal action against you, the contract. And then after his fight with Ngannou, he was saying to the crowd, see you all in the new year, have a good Christmas. Yeah, I feel he's full of shit. Yeah, he just completely switched on it. But man, I'm not excited for that uh, Usyk Fury fight at all anymore. No, I think to be honest, I think it's good. It, there's a rematch there. So, like, who did I say? Hey, I think it was. Um, I was listening to someone earlier, and he said, "Look, he has it. I think it's pretty much written that it's going to be a draw. They're both going to box. The first one's going to be a draw, just so it brings more money for the second one." Oh, that sounds realistic. I mean, it makes That's sense. Good. You can see yeah. it being. You can see it being a draw. Definitely. I can see you can you can actually see that fight being drawn, can't you? No, yeah, they're both like very technical fighters. Usyk will be quick; so he'll just be catching everything Fury throws on the gloves. Well, you'd like to think, and I don't think Fury will be able to sort of corner him, like clinch him, and just wear him down in the clinch. I think Usyk will just like just won't let him close the distance that much, you know? Yeah, definitely. Should we talk definitely. about the uh, Anthony Joshua Louis Fury documentary? Yes, can do, mate. Because that was good, wasn't it? Don't you think that he's kind of losing his head a bit these days? Haven't watched yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I think he's just lost his purpose a little bit. I think, to be honest, I think he's just like pissed off. He's lost his belt, and he doesn't know how to act anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's gone in between. I'm a world champion, and I'm street. I'm foot. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think he knows how to act. Mm, well, for so long, his image was like Mr. PC, politically correct, well-spoken, respect, respect, respect. When you're the world champion, just slaying everybody, that works. But when you're not the world champion anymore, I wouldn't say it makes him boring, but it's, it's, it's people don't, I don't know, it does something to it, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. It does definitely, I think it's definitely affected him mentally. Look, the thing what killed Anthony Joshua is when he um, chucked the belts out of the ring. Yeah, that run, he just got absolutely slayed. It was funny in the interview when he was explaining <laughs> it, and he was like, you know, this happened, right or wrong. And Luther Roo's like, no, it's definitely wrong. Uh, no, <laughs> you know? Yeah, when he went back to him, yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, 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 right, being it right or wrong, and then he said, no, definitely wrong, yeah. <laughs> he's funny. He's a funny geezer, but he's shit scared at times. What he is like? This ain't, yeah. this ain't me. Yeah, he was shit scared at times. Man, I think in the end, AJ was staring at him in the last scene, and he just looked like he wanted to smack him because he kept bringing <laughs> up the. Remember, he kept bringing up the money thing, and he was yeah. like, "I say one thing in one interview. People use this and create this entire narrative about me because Louis kept bringing it up." And I, I think the problem with AJ is. He just listens to too much of what the critics say. I, I mean, it must be so hard not to, knowing that people with platforms slightly bigger than ours, of like hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> listening, are, are chatting shit about you. And yeah, then definitely. the temptation to listen to that, like, what are these people saying about me? You know, what sport, what's it called? Boxing Sport, the YouTube channel. Boxing Social. 
Yeah, Boxing Social, what's IFL? What are all these channels saying about me? The temptation must just be overwhelming to listen to the chatter, the noise. And AJ definitely does listen to the noise, doesn't he? Because it's just driving him crazy, you can tell. And he is under an insane amount of pressure. Yeah, he's already got loads of pressure on him. Every time he does something, he thinks the pressure's off. And then everyone seems to put a load more pressure onto him. So I do feel bad for him. Yeah, even when he was in there with his um, auntie, like I loved to see him when he went to visit his auntie, but she was like, oh yeah, I think he will be a three-time world champion. And I even then I felt like it gave a good insight into how he's perceived and he just cannot escape it wherever he is, even within family. Everyone's yeah. expecting him to just win, believe, win, win. Can't believe he lives with his mum. Mental, that's like African culture, isn't it? Just stick with your family life. Think yeah. about how much money he's got. So think about how much money that geezer's got. He's got hundreds of millions. Probably like triple that by now because he's a smart businessman. You can't deny he ain't a businessman. He, he's a businessman at heart. Yeah, he um, would have invested it well. I agree. But that's what he said, isn't it? Because Louis, Louis threw to him when he was talking about relationships and women that they say, um, you know, when, when, you, when you marry a girl, you divorce your mother. And AJ was like, no, no. When I marry a girl, she becomes the mother's child. I, was yeah. like, I mean, yeah, he says they live in the same house, but his house is probably so big, mate. It's equivalent of like someone living in the street across from you. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he has plenty of space, but yeah. it was a very raw interview, wasn't it? He really yeah. didn't hold back. It was real interesting when he was talking about he started smoking cannabis at 13. And when he got arrested, yeah. he, was, he got arrested uh, in 2011. <laughs> Almost didn't make the Team GB Olympic team. So he got pulled over in his Olympic tracksuit with, what, seven or eight ounces of I, cannabis yeah. in his car when he got arrested. I mean, imagine. So he was on the way to do a rather huge drug deal wearing his Olympic tracksuit, potentially. This guy, he said, yeah, he's just guys. So why are you speeding them? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the disguise. I mean, that. <laughs> He's, he used to do it and he says speeding in a black beaver or something. That's how dumb can you get? No offense, I like AJ. He's a black geezer speeding, do you know what I mean? In a beamer. Yeah, that's that's a police officer's wet dream, that. Yeah, yeah, even he said it, didn't he? He's like, oh mate, it doesn't matter, I'm black anyway, so I was gonna get pulled <laughs> whether I'm speeding or not. I mean he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah. There. Yeah, he was a wild boy back in the day. I love the opening Ooh. scene as well. He went to get chips and he had a five or six guy. He went to get chicken and chips and had a five or six guys. Yeah. I was going to say, there must have been a period around like 2012, right, just before the Olympics, when he was clearly sick of boxing because he was in a British Olympic team. But he's still hanging out on the Watford estate getting in fights. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just definitely. Like, it probably wasn't until that, that Olympic proper actual call-out. He was probably boxing for Team GB, being a fag, and then he probably, when he realised he was actually going to the London Olympics, like, I think he probably switched on for six weeks. Yeah, he's just a genetic freak, isn't he? Just 6'6", six, yeah. six, ripped. Body like a Greek god. The guy's insane. So, moving on a little bit, 
the December card. Have you got the list of fighters in front of you? I I have a feeling I know who is on the card. Mm-hmm. Have you have you actually got a list? I've got it here. According to Michael Benson, the uh, boxing journalist, allegedly the boxers down for December the 23rd in Saudi Arabia is Anthony Joshua Otto Wallen, Deontay Wilder Joseph Parker, Dimitri Bivol Richard Riv- Rivera, Philip Hergovich versus someone, Daniel Dubois, Gerald Miller, and then there's some others as well. That's a stacked card. Mental, mate. That's probably one of the... That'll close the year off perfectly. Riyadh season will finish with a bang. I'd like to see Philip Hergovich versus Daniel Dubois, you know? Yeah, definitely. But I think Dubois won't come back now, really. Unless he rebuilds himself mentally. He's quite weak in the head, isn't he, Dubois? Yeah. You could tell when the the knockdown didn't count. The the below-the-belt shot got disallowed. The rest of the round... Usyk was still a bit injured. He should have jumped on him, but he didn't. And then in interviews after, he was saying, oh, you know, I was just so shocked at what had happened. that He just lost his head a little bit, didn't he? Yeah. And then got dropped with that crazy jab later on in the round. And dropped by two jabs. Yeah. To be fair, so does the jab probably hurts. Oh, yeah. So does Usyk. I'm not saying none of them don't hurt. I just think you probably should have taken. For sure. But yeah, like you were saying to me on the phone, why is Anthony Joshua not actually fighting Wilder? I don't know, mate. If they're on the same card, it makes no sense in my head. They both could have been trading. They are both in talks. They both should have been in camp for it because they thought it was going to happen anyway. But do you know what? But do you know what pisses me off the most is that the none of this, none of these, it, Eddie Hearn was going to have Conor Ben and Chris Eubank December 23rd. And that would, that would have been a cracker, mate. That would have been an absolute cracker to end the year. But because of the Usyk Fury stuff, he, he couldn't pull the trigger on it. So now that's happening the 27th of January, if Eubank agrees to it. But like that, this Riyadh season stuff, like, they promise some fights and they're not happening, are they? But we are getting some sick fights, but just delaying stuff. Yeah, exactly. But I think Fury getting fucked up by Nungano was one of the main reasons why it didn't happen on the 23rd. Yeah, but Eddie Hearn, right, he's saying that this yeah. um, this Conor Ben-Eubank uh, fight is the, could be one of the biggest British fights ever. Like, yeah. I don't understand. Conor Ben does have a big profile, but he's got like 700,000 Instagram followers. He hasn't got crazy profile, and then Eubank's got the same. But it's just a family name, is it? Mate, it'll do, it'll, do, it'll do two million pay per view buys. What? It'll do two million. Guaranteed. You wouldn't think it'll do two million? It'll do two million pay per view buys. It'll do, it'll do, it'll do over 1.2, 1.3. I think it'll do two million. If Eddie Hearn destroys the promotion, it's bigger than the last one. How big was the last one, mate? Yeah, the last you one. Remember, you remember, you haven't heard about it yet. You don't know what's going on. You, you When Eddie Hearn pulls that trigger, right, bang promotion everywhere every ad on youtube everyone's going to know about it press conference drug test absolute connor ben getting grilled by drug test chris eubank grilling connor ben by drug test dad's involved nigel ben's there chris eubank senior's there they're all arguing they're all going off on it mental all of a sudden the whole of the uk's in grip yeah well i feel like part of the reason why it's so big is 
that the people that watched the um, the fights between the two dads, they're still around. They're, it's not that long ago. They mm. still don't. They're still f- boxing fans at that age. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They're all the same ages. They're yeah. all the same age. Yeah. Which is why it's just gonna be mega, gonna be a mazza, mate. If okay. and and that's the thing with all the publicity when Conor Ben failed that drugs test. You know, they say, um, and no such thing as bad publicity. That was just everywhere. The story was on, like, the front pages of all the UK media that the fight was off a week to go. So it has yeah. just made it just into a just gigantic thing now, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. It's a bit mad. Oh. Huh? Yeah, no, yeah, it has, it has made it way bigger. I've lost it's- the headphones. <laughs> It still sounds all right. But yeah, let's do. Um, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the um, the railway thing in a minute. Yeah. That's the boxing talk done. Um, moving on, we talk a little bit about the Great British Railway system, which is massively overpriced and always late. But anyway, yeah, well, you've, been doing, you've been doing a bit of work on it recently, haven't you, mate? Yes, mate. Well, I've been doing a bit on the London Metro, um, DLR, and uh, Network Rail as well, all over. Pretty much. Yeah, and you were doing some rather long hours the other weekend, weren't you? Yeah, probably the issue is how if I de- if I declare these hours on, what we did is um we it's called two teaming, so we switched teams halfway through, so you because you're only allowed twelve hours on on a shift on the DLR, you 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 have to stay within your hours, so you take two teams off and you switch. So you don't end up doing 20 hours one day and then 21 hours the next day. But obviously there is some sort of loophole that who knows if you've actually switched teams. But of course you wouldn't have done that many hours because it yeah, is illegal. Yeah, that's a, it's illegal, highly illegal. But yeah, 41 hours, two days. You didn't do 41 hours didn't the other do, week. No, this, this, is what you're, this is what we're there trying to protect. This is why you switch teams, yeah. Exactly. Because so, talk me through... You had some gigantic fines, didn't you? If you were over yeah. the deadline, eighty thousand pounds a minute. Eighty. Eighty thousand pounds a minute. That's just standard as well. Network Rail. This is this is mental, actually, mate. So Podtrack. Well, I shouldn't shouldn't swap names. Podtrack is a good company. But anyway, there was a um, there was a derailment. Not a massive derailment up in Scotland. It was just they it, the, the 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 hookers weren't weren't tightened down properly and the train just kind of got crossing over two two tracks that had nowhere to go and it just slipped off. When was this? This was for two weeks ago maybe, Max. Two weeks ago. And it was in a depot. It wasn't out on track, but it was in a depot. But what it does it it obstructed a line that was active and it, it was meant to be cargo using for to using using that day. So in it it was about three, four hours it was um obstructed for. Uh, 1.25 million pounds in fines. 1.25 the fines for two hours of obstruction. Yeah. And because it was in a depot, there weren't any passengers on this train. Nah, nah, it's just moving, but it just obstructed a line. Yeah, presumably that's why I didn't make the news. But yeah, that's a yeah. that's a, that's a pretty steep rate. So recently yeah. I've been reading because I'm sad. Um, the engineer yeah. isn't by Kingdom Brunel. You know the the bloke that built the Clifton suspension bridge. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was also played a huge hand in building the uh, railway lines in the 1840s 
anything sort of west of London out to Devon, he built under the Great Western Railway uh, Company, right? So he's actually built a lot. The London to Bath and London to Bristol line, he basically built all of that back in the day, right? And he had many amazing engineering feats, the bridges and everything he built at the time of revolutionary. But he built something called the Box Tunnel. Have you ever heard of it? Never heard of the Box Tunnel. No, neither have I. So it was between Bath and Chippingham um, on the the London to uh, Bath line, right? And it was a 1.8 mile tunnel. And as much as I think he's a brilliant engineer, I don't think he was very good when it came to uh, workers' rights because this 1.8 mile tunnel, right, took two years to build. A hundred people died building it. Brutal. A hundred. That's a short. That's yeah. That's like that's like Abu Dhabi people. Yeah. That's like a stadium, like Abu Dhabi. But tunnel I mean, work is dangerous. Yeah. So anybody listening, if you are ever getting the uh, Bath to London train, and you do go through the 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 long tunnel just sort of before Swindon, don't just complain because you've got no phone signal for a couple of minutes like I do. Remember the hundred people that died building that tunnel. And yeah, it's a little bit of train facts for you there. Oh, and also, yeah. so you know the um the standard railway width at the minute is four foot eight and a half foot, inches. Yes. Huh? Yeah. 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 Four, four foot pretty much. So did you know that when Brunel first started building these trains back in the 1840s? he they were running two sets of lines the standard four for eight inches but also brunel devised a seven foot and a quarter inch width of uh line i'm not quite sure why the quarter inches there but anyway and his argument was that the trains would be able to be bigger have more power and travel faster right and this was in 1840 and many train experts today agree that the wider tracks would be better Instead, I think it was the Liverpool and Manchester train companies that kind of pushed for the um, four-foot width tracks instead. And then in the end, Bruno had to, you know, they couldn't continue building these wider ones. And then the the Great Western Railway doing the Southern Line switched to the uh, four-foot lines as well. Yeah, Yeah, it it does need to be one whole line. They've done it, it needs to be one size and the four-foots do work, but... There's lots of like regulations and rules to it now, mate. Like with the train layouts, it's like a set four foot, six foot, four foot, ten foot, four foot set. Like there's lots of obviously now you've got the conductor rail as well. So the inside the ten foot, you've got a uh, a lifted bit of rail that has six fifty, seven fifty volts. That's mostly London and Glasgow that it conduct the rail into. Now it's very very one way. You'd never ever be able to get a seven and a quarter inch rail in there now. But to be honest, I think it would, like you said, I think it probably would have worked better. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess the thinking is there's just more stability um, when you're going around corners and stuff so you can achieve higher speeds. But obviously the problem is every, like the, the cost of doing it now would be insane. We wouldn't be able to afford it. And also a lot of the tunnels and things would have to get widened, which would be even more people dying. But, yeah. And and the that that train in China, the kinetic train, crazy, crazy, hovers. Is that the one that it uses the magnets? Yeah, so it hovers. It's a 
pervert it. It is literally impossible for that to be real. It's really? safe for the normal drones. Yeah. The thing is, there's always the fact that if someone figured it out, it's next level. It goes at 350 miles an hour, doesn't it? So it goes something silly. Um, have a look, but it, but yeah, basically it's just connector. It's basically, it's basically made just like two magnetic fields that are just so binded, they will never, they will never lose the binding. Okay, yeah, we got it here. The Shanghai Maglev train is a magnetic levitation train line that operates in Shanghai, China. The line uses the German Transrapid technology. The Shanghai Maglev is the world's first commercial high-speed Maglev and has a maximum cruising speed of 270 miles an hour. Wow. So they've got right. trains going 270 miles an hour, floating on magnets. Meanwhile, ours are trundling along at like 40 miles an hour and it's just always late. Yeah, always late. We really are quite far behind some parts of the world in when it comes to our infrastructure. Like, you know, yeah. Japan, Japan have had bullet trains since the 1970s. Harry, do you, 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 want, do you want me to tell you something? It's very, you're going to find very depressing when you understand this. We built all of Chinese uh, train line infrastructure. Infrastructure. Threatnels in charge were one of the main companies that went out into Shanghai and built all of their tram lines, directed everyone on their train system. We, the British, were subcontracted out there. Jimmy, who I work with now, spent years out in Shanghai building new tram lines, right? And our train systems are shit. But everyone else, Paris, all, all British people designed it, built it, put it in place. Everywhere, Germany, Amsterdam, the tram system, Amsterdam, British people have done this. Jimmy spent years out there, right? So all of these countries have these free systems that work so well. And you think, oh, why, can't, why can't we do this? We did it, but our system's still crap. You're joking. I'm 100% true here, mate. True here, 100%. Honestly, we, we were subcontracting. Most of the Shanghai train systems, not the bullet train, not the, um, the magnetic train. No, that's, that's all their engineering. But all of like, the tram systems, train lines, uh, the British people were subcontracted. They were Brettles in charge. Right. Spent years over them, which is now called Wabtech. Mate, sorry, I'm just trying to read whether British building Chinese trains. It's called Wabtech, is the company we'll probably what? look back on it. Wabtech, great name. Yeah, Wabtech. It's, um, I think it's American, mate, actually. They bought Brettles. I'm pretty sure they got their own um, their own uh, unit out there in China, Shanghai. Can't actually find anything. Look, have a look at Wabtech here, mate. Wabtech Corporation. Found something here. I have got to go out as well, mate. Have to wrap Wab Wabtech Corporation has formed a joint venture in China, uh, Beijing Wabtech Technology, to manufacture friction products for the Chinese rail market. Yeah, yeah, you're not, you're not lying. We're building and improving everybody's railway lines except our own. And on that cheerful note, should we wrap it up? Yeah, yeah mate. See you later, boys. Yeah, cheers, mate. See you later. Boy, boy. Yeah,